Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So today we are part 19 of our series in Acts, Unstoppable Church. As I said last week, why couldn't we end with a part 18 or even better, a part 20? Some of you also, the row CD that drives you crazy in the same way that it does me. But for whatever reason, we're ending with part 19 today, though 18 or 20 would have been nice numbers. Nevertheless, what we've studied has been around a third of the book of Acts if you measure it by chapters, which means that we could be in Acts for a couple more years. We're probably going to do uh, 15 parts next year, right after Easter, and then we're going to try to finish it up probably the following year after that. What we've discussed so far, the origins of the church, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the building of Christ-centered community, the appointment of leaders, the ministry of Stephen, the scattering of the church, and then the conversion and the calling of Saul. And this is all just so important for where our church is right now. There's, there's no question that we have experienced a Holy Spirit movement and a Holy Spirit revival the last several months in our church from the perspective of growth, from the perspective of personal calling, from the perspective of baptisms, from the perspective of discipleship, just all around. This has been so important for where we are right now. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 20 today. We're not even going to finish Acts chapter 9. That's where we're going to be. And if you guys missed worship night last Sunday night, you missed an impactful time together. It was absolutely amazing. But Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 20 through 31. And what we've talked about has been the conversion of Saul. And then last week, we talked about the calling of Saul. So those of you that have been with us almost this entire time, you've at least followed by the podcast, you've known that this guy named Paul, we never got to him. But finally, we're here in Acts chapter 9. So this is what we're going to look at today, verses 20 through 31. This is what the passage says. Right away, he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogues. He is God's son, he declared. Everyone who heard him was baffled. They questioned each other. And this is the reason that they're questioning one another. Isn't he the one who is wreaking havoc among those in Jerusalem who called on his name? Had he come here to take those same people that he's talking about saving now, those same people as prisoners to the chief priest? But Saul, on the other hand, as he's growing in Christ, grew stronger and stronger. He confused the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After this had gone on for some time, the Jews hatched a plot to kill Saul. Keep in mind that it's Saul who's organizing the killing 
And now there is a plot to kill him. However, he found out about this scheme. They were keeping watch at the city gates around the clock so that they could assassinate him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he was really a disciple, and they had very good reason for feeling this way. Then Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles and told them the story about how Saul saw the Lord on his way and that the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them about the confidence with which Saul had preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. After this, Saul moved freely among the disciples in Jerusalem and was speaking with confidence in the name of our Lord. He got into debates with the Greek-speaking Jews as well, but they tried to kill him. When the family of believers learned about this, they escorted him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. God strengthened the church, and its life was marked by reverence for the Lord. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church continued to grow in numbers. Years ago, Beth went to the doctor. She'd had several medical complications going on, and Beth has major, major, not as much now, but in the past, major, major medical anxiety. So she goes in and she talks to this doctor about an issue that's going on, and when the doctor realizes that it's not anything that's really, really serious, he says this to her, and I'll never forget. He says, the moment that you were born, you started dying. Now, that may not feel like it's bringing a lot of comfort. But this is what he was saying. When you were born, your body is growing, but eventually starts to decompose. You are a living, breathing thing that should be able to enjoy life as much as you can and not worry about all of these things that could possibly be going on with your body. One day, naturally, you are going to die. You can't predict that death. Try to enjoy things as much as you can. And at the time, believe it or not, this was something that was, was pretty helpful. Uh, death is just a natural part of life. It's something that happens. But it reminded me of something that I heard at a conference more recently, and this is what was said. The only thing that naturally happen, happens by doing nothing is decomposition. The only thing that naturally happens without intentionality in our lives without movement in our lives, without a plan in our lives, is decomposition, right? It happens to the best of us, and it happens all the time. You will never naturally become a follower of Jesus. It's just not going to happen. And like we talked about last week, your calling or your purpose isn't one day simply going to fall out of thin air into your lap. The purpose of your life will not be discovered through passive observation. I'm going to say that again because we've talked about this so much over the course of the last three or four months. The purpose of your life, your calling, why you are actually here will never happen as a result of passive observation. The same is true about losing weight about being a better planner, about learning how to do something new, 
about being a good parent, about doing your job well, all of these things have everything to do with the intentionality that we pour in. So we have to be intentional. When things die, they go through a period of decomposition. Now, I say that to you guys today for a couple of reasons. The first is that if there is not tremendous intentionality in your spiritual life, you are never going to grow. And you're never going to discover the reason that you're here. I'm talking about you have a plan. You're in the Word every single day. We all miss days, but you're in the Word. You have a life of prayer. You are discipling other people. You are very careful about the things you're watching. You're very careful about the things that you are listening to. You're very careful about all of these things so that the growth in your life is intentional. If those things are not intentional and your plan is simply, I'm going to try to be a Christian or I'm occasionally going to go to church on Sunday, you are in the process of decomposition right now. Now, the second reason that I say this to you today is this. Saul provides an example today of some shifts that we all need to pay attention to. And if I were to give this last message a title, it would be the shift. Because this is what our church has to do. We've looked at everything with, with this early church group, uh, growth movement, with discipleship, with all of these small communities, all these important things. But there is a shift that must occur. And there is a shift that we must understand. So I want to finish up our series, Unstoppable Church, in 2022. Again, to be continued, referencing three necessary shifts that have to happen. And these are actually really simple things. These are not complicated things. These are things that most of you that are in here right now you already possess these things. They just simply haven't been activated. So shift number one is this. Stories. Stories is shift number one. And this is the way that I would explain this. Big conversions, like we talked about two weeks ago with Saul, like what some of you in this church have experienced. Big conversions lead to big stories that then provide powerful witness. Big conversions or big stories of life change lead to these stories being told, which creates powerful witness. Everything in the book of Acts is about powerful witness. It's about the lives of groups and the lives of individuals telling stories about what God has activated in their lives. Again, some of you, when we talked about calling last week, you're just waiting for something to kind of fall out of the sky. God, I really want to know what it is that I'm supposed to do with my life. So boom, like it's just supposed to fall. While you continue to do everything you have been doing, and in the process, you are literally, as you sit here right now, and you may feel good, you may be in good shape, you may have a wonderful job, but you are decomposing if there is not intentionality in the process. And this is what the passage tells us in 22 and then also 26. But Saul grew stronger and stronger. So they're trying to plot ways to kill him. He's done. This is over. It's finished. 
but he continues to grow stronger and stronger because of intentionality. He confused the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. You should be, if you've had an adult conversion, an adult experience of accepting Christ, people should be confused about how different you are compared to where you were. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him. You think? Weeks ago, he was trying to kill them. Months ago, he had, he had this plan. He had plotted to try to persecute all of them and bring them in as prisoners. And now he's living and walking as a disciple. You think that's going to confuse some people? It definitely is. They didn't believe he was really a disciple. What creates this kind of movement that we must see at Believer's Church? Moral churchgoers? No. Good people? No. Stories of life change that impact everything around us. You see, people go to church for years. They have all the motions correct. They know exactly what to expect. They understand exactly how to behave. But that story, that contagious story, is simply not there. If you intentionally follow Jesus, and I'm speaking to every person in here regardless of your age, you have a story of life change. You have that story. And that story becomes everything that you are. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, you may say this. Well, I got saved when I was five years old. Well, I accepted Christ when I, was, when I was eight or nine years old. So I don't necessarily, maybe in some of your traditions, you were baptized as an infant. I don't necessarily have that story. I don't remember, obviously, what things were like before that. But since the time that you've accepted Christ, you've went through tragedy. You've went through obstacles. You've went through difficult events. You've went through things where it feels like the bottom has completely fallen out of your life. Some of you have fought and struggled with addiction. Some of you have fought and struggled with doubt at some point. Some of you have been through absolutely tragic, horrible divorces, but God has saw you on the other side. You have stories that impact the lives of people. So I would love to take you on this deep theological journey. And I would love to tell you, you've got to have all this right doctrine, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And that stuff is very important. But if all you have is the dryness of that, without a personal story of what God has done in your life, the exact same way that Saul experiences this, you're in trouble. Now, this may be true if you're a follower of Jesus, you've seen certain events, problems, obstacles, you have these things, you've experienced them. You will become a powerful witness when your story is something that you can share every single day. People need to know, and this is the most important thing I could probably ever tell you. People need to know that Jesus has changed your life. They just need to know that. People need to know that Jesus has transformed your life. Yesterday, I'm sitting on a porch at a, at a new neighbor's house down the road. We met at a playground. It's a, it's a kid that Cora goes to school with in the same grade. I'm on this guy's porch. They're out playing. We're having a conversation. It's a new neighbor. Starts to ask about pastoring. And I go into some of my personal story. It just opens up and it creates an opportunity to talk about these things. 
You have this in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. So don't think I, I, I don't have the story at all. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you've been through some suffering. You've been through some difficult things. It's definitely something that you need that you have. People need to know that Jesus has changed your life. Saul may have developed into a good preacher. And I think we can say that he did. Saul de definitely developed into a good church planter and a church leader. We can say that with absolute certainty. But it was his story on the road to Damascus that changed everything. So you have a story of life change. You were out of church for years. You, you found Believer's Church. You know that you were a believer whenever you were growing up, but you walked away from it. You were in alcohol. You were sleeping with everybody. You were doing this. You were doing that. Whatever it might have looked like. But you came to this place where you were at the end of yourself and in a completely new way, God transformed you. That's the story you tell. It's a little bit different for every single person that's in here right now. So that's shift number one. Do you have a story? And do you understand the importance of telling it? But then shift number two is boldness. Shift number two is boldness. So stories and then boldness. And this is why boldness is so important. Big stories, and you have a big story. Big stories build boldness that then ignites mission. Big stories, you can't contain these stories. When it happens, you have to talk about it. You have to talk about it. You don't have a choice. And you're thinking, well, I don't know the last time that I even talked about Jesus to a coworker or to a friend when they were going through something. The question is, do you really have a big story? That's the place that you have to start. Big stories build boldness that ignites mission. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to prove that to you. The passage says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. We just talked about this, but they were afraid of him. They didn't believe that he was really a disciple. But then Barnabas, someone so, uh, a little bit further along in the faith, intervenes in this situation. Then Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles and told them the what? The story. Listen, this is what happened in Harley's life. This is what happened in Krista's life. This is what happened in Brian's life. Can you believe that God changed him in that way? See, that's why I hope you can get into these, these apologetic theological conversations and people are like, whatever. But when you talk about life change with boldness, that's when you learn to follow Jesus and what that means. So then Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles and they, he told him the story. What story? His conversion story about how Saul saw the Lord on the way uh, to Damascus and he spoke to Saul. He also told them about, and get this part, the confidence. You know what that translates to in other translations? The boldness or the fearlessness with which Saul preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. He didn't go up there and just say, well, this is kind of sort of what happened. Or I used to think Jesus wasn't such a good idea, but now I really kind of think Jesus is a pretty good idea. He was absolutely overflowing 
with what Jesus did in his life. And if you've had that experience, you see, I don't understand. Like it doesn't register with me to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and not tell everybody about it Monday morning. Like it doesn't register with me to experience that kind of life, literally death to life, and not even talk about it. Like it's not something significant. It should change everything. The way that you parent, the way that you see work, the kind of spouse that you are, the kind of friend that you are. You used to get angry about all those things. You can't do that anymore. Something happens within you. So there is this boldness that is just there, and it's there perfectly. For Saul, one of our biggest problems, and this is a message for, our, for another day, but we are scared to death of followers of Jesus for our own culture. We're scared to death of it. We're scared to death of speaking out about what's right because we're going to seem like backwoods, outdated heathens. It's true. And we have lost every bit of the boldness that was ignited by a story and it ignites mission within our church. And here's the thing. I, I don't think that anyone in here right now that's, that's having a hard time balancing this, like what this looks like, I don't think that anyone in here is ashamed of Jesus that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. I don't think that's the case. I think the problem is this. I think it's that we live our lives so differently or in such a hypocritical manner with the things that we say about other people, with the kind of jokes that we tell, with the language that we use, that we don't speak out in boldness because we're ashamed of who we really are. It's not that we're ashamed of Jesus. It's not that we don't want to tell people that we go to church and we do this or we do that. But it's that sometimes if we were to really boldly speak out about Jesus, it would seem incredibly hypocritical because of how we really are a lot of the time. When you have a story, that story becomes your existence. And it just flows out of everything that you are. So listen, I get it. You're tired of hearing me mention that I'm an alcoholic. I get it. All right, that I've been sober 10 years. You're tired of hearing about in 2019 all the things that happened with my family, but it completely transformed me. It completely changed my life. I don't know how to stop talking about it. I don't know how to stop bragging on Jesus. I could get up here and say, you know, I used to have a drink problem. Here we go. There he goes. Look, I don't know how else to be. It's what I am. As we talked about in conversion two weeks ago, I was one way. Now I'm another way. And what happened in the middle was him. So I don't know how else to be. So if somebody comes up to me and they talk about issues, yeah, I used to be an alcoholic. Yeah, in 2019, we moved here in absolute wreck. My wife was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. We didn't know what we were going to do. And then we saw God transform that into beauty. I don't know how to not talk about those things with boldness. But it's difficult to step into this powerful witness. It's difficult to ignite mission. Because we keep all these things tucked down inside. We continue to sin. And we don't have that story. Therefore, we can't ignite that kind of boldness. Everything that we've seen 
in the last 19 weeks has been about the activation of the Holy Spirit through bold personal witness. So yeah, you guys, as long as I'm here, you're going to celebrate every year of sobriety with me. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen because I'm going to continue to give God the glory over and over and over. February 13th, 10 years. That's a big one. So shift number three, shift number one is stories. You've got to have a story. That's got to be your starting place. So if you don't have a story, we're going to talk about that toward the end. Whenever you have a story, it has to create boldness in who you are. So Paul's in this situation, I should say Saul at the time, is in this situation where he's bold, and these people are just like, no, we remember you. We've heard about you. We know who you used to be. And then Barnabas steps in on his part. And you know, this is like Sheila stepping in for Tina on her part. No, you've got to hear what happened to my daughter. She's not who she used to be. She's not that way anymore. Everything in her life has changed. And then all of a sudden, people start to watch that. And they're like, what's going on here? And it's, it's amazing the amount of people that start to reach out to you. The people that were in the same place that you were in. And the growth that happens as a result of that. So shift number three is passion. There's stories, there's boldness, there's passion, and, and none of these are optional. So number three is passion. Boldness amplifies passion. It makes you even more passionate when you start to see the work of God around you. Are you guys passionate about what God's been doing in this church, about the life change that's happened? It's been incredible. It's been like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Boldness amplifies passion that fuels growth because, and this is the reason that it fuels growth, it is the most contagious thing in the world. You know, lights, all, all these things that we, we have and, and all this, you know, stuff, a, a contemporary worship service, it's great, it has its place, but at the end of the day, give me Jesus. Give me that, that answer. Give me that living water. And I'm going to be passionate for the rest of my life. And I'm going to continue to carry this message for the rest of my life. Verses 28 and 31. After Saul, I'm sorry, after this, Saul moved freely among the disciples. The explanation was there. He's completely changed. He's radically a different person. This is the reason that he's bold. Listen to this story about what happened in Damascus. So he's moving freely among the disciples in Jerusalem and was speaking with confidence. Again, boldness, fearlessness in the name of the Lord. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. God strengthened the church as a result of this, as a result of a personal story, as a result of the boldness to talk about. It strengthened the church, and its life is marked by reverence for the Lord. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church continued to grow in numbers. Passion. Boldness amplifies passion that then fuels growth. So this is a summary of where we all need to be because right now you're in the middle. For some of you, you're in the middle of the really complicated part of your story in which you're trying to overcome this serious addiction or you're trying to make it through 
this difficult marriage, or you're trying to figure out financially with the loss of your job or these economic changes that the world that we live in right now, how is it that your family continues to survive and your family continues to make it? Maybe you just got out of jail. Maybe you're in a situation that none of us in here can even begin to understand. The only thing that we can do is try to empathize with where you may be. This is a summary. We have a story, or you're in the midst of a story, or you can begin a story today like Paul's, and it will make you bold. When you're bold, you become full of passion. And to wrap up this entire 19 weeks, this is critical for the growth and the spread of the early church. I'm going to say it all one more time. We have a story like Paul's. It makes you bold. When you become bold, you are full of passion. This is critical for the growth that we see in this early church that we've been talking about for 19 weeks. Now, we began this year with a vision series called Good Ground 22. So if we can bring this card out and start handing out some of these cards. A lot of you are newer with us, but at the beginning of the year, we had a series called Good Ground 22. And that's the reason that I wanted to start this series in Acts. Now, where we were at the time, we were talking about the four sowers or the four seeds or the four soils. But these are promises that God will make to us if we continue to pray in this direction. The first one we've already seen manifested in this place, and that is a movement of the Holy Spirit at this Boone's Creek location here. A movement of the Holy Spirit here. And what God has done in this place has been nothing short of incredible. So we've prayed about a movement of the Holy Spirit here because this is where it all has to start. Number two, a heart for multiplication at our Boone's Creek location. So what this means is a desire to send out people to new locations to spread the gospel. Does that sound like anything? It should sound like exactly where we are as a church and exactly where the book of Acts is. This is something that I asked you guys to pray about. It's good at this point of the year to bring this up again because now you've looked at this card. Oh, I remember this. I forgot this in the car about nine months ago and now I don't even know where it is. All right, so we're uh, refreshing you here. And then these two are really, really important as we look at the book of Acts for the sending and the development of our first campus pastor and launch team. There is a person that we are praying over right now as a church that exists in this time and space, in this world, that is going to be sent out for the glory of God. And then we are also praying for our first sending location. These are not things we're determining. These are not things we are deciding today. These are things that we are praying about in this moment and in this time. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is just take this card with you. If you still have your old one, wonderful. I don't really know if I want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. How many of you still have your old one and you've actually been praying over it? Okay, the nine of us are thrilled. All right, so what I'm going to ask you to do is... Take this home. We've got one at home on our refrigerator and then I keep one in the office. Be praying over this on a regular basis because it's not about a resume. It's not about the right kind of people coming together. It's about a movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe at Believer's Church. So this is something that we're going to continue uh, to talk about. In closing, what I want to say is this. Churches decompose. They really do. 
Maybe you've been to a church before that is decomposed or is in the process of decomposing. Ministries can decompose. Strategies decompose. Programs decompose. But let me share something with you that never decomposes. Stories never decompose. They never decompose. When God has brought about change in your life, change that can then change other people's lives as a result of your faithfulness to go forward and create a story, stories never decompose. They continue and they go forward and forward and forward. Still to this day, Martin Luther's story of being stuck in the thunderstorm and bowing all these things to God, it never decomposed. John Wesley at Aldersgate, when his heart was strangely warm, it never decomposed. Elizabeth Elliot, when she goes to minister to the tribe in South America that killed her husband, it never decomposes. Something else that never decomposes. Boldness never decomposes. If your heart is on fire for God, if you have a story that is worth telling, if you have truly been transformed and you can look at the old person and you know that there is a new person there, it never decomposes. And passion never decomposes. And here's the beautiful thing. Here's the best part about it. Passionate, bold stories make disciples that make churches that never decompose. So you got to have your theology right. Strategy, very important. Having a plan and a direction and a mission and a vision and all of those things. Man, I can't even put a value on how important those things are. But so many of those that I just mentioned, they can't decompose. But you see, the early church grows and this movement happens because people's hearts and lives were changed. And you know, for some of you in here, all it takes is for you to come forward to make your story go viral. And then there are other people in here that are going to follow because you never recognized that your gifting was as strong as it actually is. So you might be a school teacher, you might be a plumber, you might be a nurse, you might work in security. There are a number of different things that you may do. But what I'm asking is that if you want to get it right, is to live out the rest of your life with your story being the message that you send to this world. Because in the end, it's the only thing that's going to matter. Closing questions. The first one is this. Do you have a story? I mean, do you really have a story of life change? Do you really have that? Because there are some of you, you're just like on the edge of your seat as we're talking about this. You say, I know what you're talking about. God has delivered me from X. God has changed me from Y. God has taken me from Z. I know what you're talking about. I talk about it all the time. But there are others of you in here and you're just like, I don't, I mean, I think I, you know, got baptized when I was nine or 10 or 
I do remember my grandmother taking me to church every once in a while, but, but I really don't have that kind of, of story. If you do have that story, is it boldly reflected in your life? Are people able to look at you and say, I know where he or she has been. I know they are a follower of Jesus. No, I didn't say they go to church. I didn't say they're just part of a church. No, they live that life out. And they're really like an example for all these people that are around us right now. And then last, does your passion grow to tell this story every single day? There is so little in life that matters. But your story does. And it means absolutely everything. With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed, uh, there could be just uh, a few people that are in here today and uh, you know that you have a story. But you know that because of some of the things that are going on in your life right now, that is something that you're really struggling being bold and being passionate about. You're influenced by a lot of other things. But it's your desire to be more bold about that story. You know it's there. You know you've accepted Christ. But you want that story to be bolder. Would you simply, no one's looking around. Would you lift your hand? Just thank you very much. Thank you. Hands all over the place. Anyone else this morning? You want, I see your hand. You want that story? See your hand, sir. You want that story to be bolder. Some of you are like lifting a finger at your waist. I don't know about boldness with that. You want your story to be bolder. And then there may be others of you that are in here and you would just say, I don't, I don't have a story. Like I have a church story. And I have a story about my parents being really good parents. And I have a story about doing some really good moral things. But I don't have that story of life change. I don't have that story of death to life. And if you feel this morning that God is dealing with you, and there's something that you know that you need to step away from, and a life that you need to step into, the most encouraging thing that I can tell you this morning is how much God loves you and how much God wants you. And it does not matter what you've done, who you've hurt, who refuses to forgive you, the mess that your marriage is in, the mess that your life is in, how confused you are right now. That invitation the story of the cross in which Jesus died for sinners is open and available to you today. This could be the day that your story changes. And if that's the case, what I'm going to do here in just a little while, we're going to have, I'm going to ask Dad and Elaine, if they will, to come down front and stand. Because if you just want to come down and pray with one of us, you're more than welcome uh, to do that. But also, if you just need to refuel the passion and the boldness within your story, I'm telling you guys, good preaching is not going to push us forward. Good worship is not going to push us forward. 
It's the bold evangelistic story of people who have been delivered from death to life and desire with everything in them for something better. If you'll stand with me this morning, the altar is open if you need to come down. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we lift you up. We praise you. We thank you. God, we ask that you work in our hearts this morning, Father, that today be the last day that some people take a drink. That today be the last day that some people struggle in this bad relationship. Father, that people are willing to turn themselves over wherever they may be, understanding that the future of this church and the movement that we are in the process of building starts with stories. We lift you up and praise you because you are worthy in the name of Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.